0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's weekly recap. We are reading through the Bible in a year and our week was assigned to us to read Acts chapter 9 to 26. So that's what we're going to review today, get you caught back up if you've fallen behind. If this is your first time here, my name is Corey. I'm here with my husband, Matlock. Hey, say hey. hi to people. <laughs> How you doing? All right. So let's jump right in. Acts chapter 9. So we earlier in Acts, we've seen uh, we talked about it last week, we've seen Saul, who will become Paul, begin to persecute the Christian church. So begin to actively hunt down Christians to put them in jail and beat them, um, and even uh, martyring, murdering Stephen. So in Acts chapter 9, we see Jesus appear to Saul, uh, and and Saul becomes blind. He goes blind for three days, and he receives healing Uh, for his vision through a Christian man named um, Ananias. Uh, And through this experience, Saul believes in Christ and he commits himself to Christ through baptism. Now, from here on out, Acts is going to call Saul Paul, this, this new kind of transition. So in Damascus, the city of Damascus, Paul begins to preach in the synagogue there that Jesus is the Messiah, and he has to escape the city because the Jews plan to kill him. He's you know well-known uh, Jewish man, on his way to become a Pharisee, likely, um, and now, now he's on the run. So in Jerusalem, Christians are actually afraid of Saul, no wonder, Uh, they're afraid of Paul because of his reputation. Uh, But Barnabas, a Christian who's well spoken of in Acts, he takes Paul to the apostles. So this is when Paul goes back to Jerusalem. He gets brought before the apostles. What ends up happening is Paul preaching in Jerusalem. And again, there's another plot to kill him. This doesn't look good for the anti-Jesus movement. So there's a plot to kill Paul and the Christians send Paul to Caesarea and then on a ship to Tarsus. So they're they're saving his life here. There's notes about Peter traveling through Judea teaching in the name of Christ. And Peter heals a layman named Aeneas. He raises a woman from the dead. Her name is Tabitha. Uh, So really interesting accounts of Peter here as well in Acts chapter 9. In Acts chapter 10, there's a Gentile centurion whose name is given, Cornelius, and he's called a God-fearing Gentile. So he's a Gentile who is trying to serve and follow the God of the Old Testament, the God of the Jews. He's living in Caesarea Maritima, and he gets visited by an angel who tells him to call for a man named Peter who was in the city of Joppa. So he does. Meanwhile, while all this is happening, Peter in Joppa gets a vision from God in which God commands Peter to break the Mosaic law, to eat non-kosher food, to eat as a Gentile rather than as a Jew because Jesus has made this food clean. And then also to go with the men who are about to arrive and invite him to travel with them. These men are from Cornelius. Peter travels to Cornelius. While Peter's teaching Cornelius and Cornelius's extended family and friends that he had invited to hear Peter preach, the Holy Spirit descended upon them and and caused them to speak in tongues. So the result is that Peter and Peter's traveling companions know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has saved, he has approved Gentile Christians, and these new Christians are then baptized. In Acts chapter 11, Peter then goes to Jerusalem to meet with the elders of the Christian church there. there Jerusalem's still the center of Christianity at that point uh, because Peter's begun to face criticism because he's been eating and associating with Gentiles. So this was not a good Jewish thing to do. It was against the Mosaic law. It was against their society at this point. And yet he was doing it. So Peter tells them the whole story, the vision that he got from God at Joppa, how the Holy Spirit descended on the Gentiles, uh, you know, while they're still living as Gentiles, as they believed the Holy Spirit descended on them. So there, this was enough proof, essentially for the Jerusalem church. They were happy. They were amazed. They received Gentile salvation at this point. They accepted it. We're told that... Uh, large parts of the Jerusalem church were were scattered with the the murder of Stephen and Christians traveled and preached as far as Phoenicia Cyrus uh, Cyprus sorry and Antioch where Christianity was being preached to the Jews people from Cyprus and Cyrene um, went to uh and Antioch went to Antioch and preached to the Gentiles then and it, it was Such a success, this preaching to the Gentiles, that the Jerusalem church sent Barnabas, who we learned back in Acts chapter 4, Barnabas was a Levite from Cyprus, he gets sent there. And so Barnabas leaves, he takes Paul with him, and they spend a year in Antioch. And the term Christian is first used during this time period at Antioch when Barnabas and Paul are preaching. So we're also told that there's a lot going on here, I know, but we're also told that a Christian prophet named Agabus foretells uh, a famine that's going to happen in Judea, and the church then determines that they're going to send aid. They're going to respond to this prophecy by preparing and sending aid to their Christian, Christian brothers and sisters living in Judea. All right, Acts chapter 12. King Herod Agrippa has James, the apostle, murdered. He has him put to death. So this is the first apostle who has died. So Stephen's been martyred before, but he was just one of the seven. Uh, Maybe not just, but he was one of the seven. He wasn't one of the apostles proper. Um, So James is the first apostle and we're told that Herod Agrippa, he aims to do the same to Peter. He wants to execute Peter as well. So he has him arrested. Now this ushers in the account of Peter being miraculously saved from prison by an angel. There's some really interesting details there in Acts chapter 12 about how that happens. Even even down to how the angel wakes Peter up. He hits him to wake him up, which interesting choice, angel, but it's what they did. (laughs) So Peter then goes to the house of Mary, who we're told is the mother of John Mark, uh, who is likely the gospel writer, you know, the author of Mark. And at first they actually don't believe that Peter's at the door. They're like, no way he's in prison. They don't, they don't believe it. But anyway, it is. So we see these really interesting parallel here between Jesus's crucifixion and this account. It's Passover. Jesus was executed at Passover. Peter's released at Passover. Um, except this time, instead of Peter striking Malchus with the sword, we see the angel striking Peter to wake him up. And at this time, Peter's delivered from execution. Uh, He's also seen first by a woman, the servant girl Rhoda, who no one believes. The disciples of Christ don't believe, which they didn't believe the account of the women who went to the tomb either. So there's interesting parallels given here. Uh, So, A record of Herod Agrippa's nasty death is also given here at the end of chapter 12. Uh, And the cause for his death here is really interesting. It's theological. It has to do with the spiritual world rather than the physical one. So Herod accepted praise as God. And as a result, God caused him to die, which is very interesting. Acts chapter 13. Here we see Barnabas and Paul. And now John Mark is with Barnabas and Paul in Antioch. And God tells the church through prophets and teachers to commission Paul and Barnabas specifically for a missionary journey. And John Mark travels with them on this journey as a helper and aid to them. So we see them go to the island of Cyprus. And on here, just some highlights. A false Jewish prophet is struck blind for a time, uh, which would have been very you know, symbolic and ironic for them, a prophet who claims to have visions from God is struck blind. After Cyprus, John Mark leaves Peter and uh, Paul and Barnabas, sorry, for an unstated reason. We don't know why he leaves. At Pisidian Antioch, we have a record of this sermon that Paul gives to a a Jewish synagogue, and it doesn't go well, and they're eventually expelled from the city. In Acts chapter 14, we see the people having a better response to Paul and Barnabas at the city of Iconium. Uh, Many people come to faith there, but the city overall is divided on whether these men are speaking the truth or speaking falsely. We're told that Paul and Barnabas stayed there for a considerable time. You know, whenever there was people who wanted to learn, they stayed and they taught them. But eventually a division in Iconium... uh, Ended up with a plot to kill Paul and Barnabas. So at this point, they leave the city. Uh, they go to the city of Lystra, where Paul heals a lame man. And the people actually think that he and Barnabas are gods incarnates. You know, they're, they, they've come to the city to do miracles and long story short paul corrects them right away uh, but eventually he's stoned by these people who once thought he was a god and he was left outside the city they thought he was dead Uh, but christian disciples come and they surround paul i'm assuming they prayed i'm assuming that's what it meant when they when it says they surround paul and paul gets up alive and goes back into the city and the next day leaves with barnabas which is quite amazing we're told that they go and they preach in the city of Derbe and they revisit their route they go back and they travel back through the cities that they had already come from to to re-encourage Christians uh and specifically to encourage them through persecution we're told in verse 22 that their message to them is we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God um We're also told that Paul and Barnabas appointed elders in the churches of the cities. Uh, Each city got elders of the church through prayer and fasting. They were appointed. Uh, So they're establishing leadership to keep the Christian church going. And then they come back to Antioch where they began their home base for ministry and they stay there. In Acts chapter 15, Christians from Judea, so from Israel, come to Antioch and they start preaching that Gentiles have to observe the Mosaic law. In other words, they have to become Jewish in order to also be. Christ followers. Now you can easily see, I can easily see how this was justified, right? Jesus Christ was a circumcised Jew. He followed the law of Moses. He he sacrificed, he observed the festivals and the feasts. He taught that he was not abolishing the law. So you see the logical line of reasoning here. You live like Christ lived. You become a Jew, and then you become a, a Christian. But this line of reasoning neglects the fact that Christ fulfilled the Mosaic law. He was the final sacrifice. The Holy Spirit actually confirmed that Gentiles were saved while they were Gentiles. They did not have to become Jewish first. Remember, the Holy Spirit descended on Cornelius and his Gentile family members before uh, they were living to, according to the law. Um, They were supposed to live according to the spirit of God rather than the law. Okay. So Paul and Barnabas and other Christian leaders, they go to Jerusalem to settle this issue. Do you have to be Jewish and then Christian or just Christian? The Jerusalem council hears the matter and Uh, the different sides of the matter. So we're told that James, the brother of Jesus, was the leader of the Christian church at this point. He stands up and he acknowledges that the work of God has already decided that the Gentiles are saved apart from the law of Moses and that they should not be made subject to it. Because all these Gentile Christians are getting saved and experiencing um, the, the... Work of the Holy Spirit while they're Gentiles. So James then gives a lists of a list of things for Gentile Christians to avoid, and all of these things seem to be associated with pagan culture at that time. So you don't have to follow the law of Moses, but you do have to distance yourself from pagan culture, from pagan religious practices. Um, Don't live like pagan Gentiles, but instead live like Christ-following Gentiles there should be a noticeable difference between those two things. You don't have to become Jewish. You can't live like you were living before. Uh, We're also told in Acts 15 that Paul and Barnabas have a fight over John Mark because Barnabas wants to bring John Mark, but Paul is pretty salty over the fact that John Mark left them during their first missionary journey. So they part ways and Barnabas and John Mark go on one missionary journey and Paul goes on the other. I love Paul brings Silas I love the fact that even though they divided over this they split over this the gospel message was doubled right instead of going on one missionary journey together now there's two missionary journeys going on right Acts chapter 16 Timothy from Lystra joins Paul and Silas and this is important because Timothy is going to be a major player in Christian history Um, we learn a bit how These guys decided which cities to visit. And it's very spiritual. Christ either let them go or stopped them from going. He would give them visions and things uh, to know where to go on their missionary journeys. We see them preaching to a group of women in Philippi, and someone named Lydia responds, and they stay with her and her family again. She plays a part in the rest of the New Testament. Uh, We see Paul casting out a fortune telling telling demon out of a slave girl. But this gets him and Silas actually thrown into prison because now she's no longer fortune telling for her masters. Um, And again, they're miraculously broken out of prison by an earthquake. Very interesting story. Acts chapter 17. This is at the city of Thessalonica. Paul teaches in the synagogue there on the Sabbath day for three weeks And then there's this riot over them and over their message. And a Christian man named Jason who had been housing them has to pay the magistrates of the city to not be arrested. Uh, Then, Paul, Silas, and Timothy travel on to Berea where we're told that the Bereans were more righteous than everyone else because they were checking the scriptures. Uh, They were checking what Paul and Silas and Timothy were saying against the scriptures. This was a good thing. And many of them believed the message because of this. Um, All right, Paul goes on to Athens. He teaches in the synagogue, then in the marketplace, then in the secular courts. We've got this really cool recorded sermon from him. A lot is happening in Acts. We're getting yeah. all the acts of the apostles, right? In Acts chapter 18, Paul travels to the city of Corinth. And here he meets the married couple, Aqu- Aquila and Priscilla, um, who were tent makers. Paul stays with them. he That's his trade as well. He was a tent maker and he works with them, um, which is very cool. That's just how... Uh, religious training went and and normal training went though he was training to become a rabbi as a child he also would have been trained to in in a, in a physical profession right as well uh, okay so when Silas and Timothy catch up with Paul because they had stayed behind in another city to preach as well Paul stopped tent making that he was doing for money to sustain himself and he exclusively taught so the implication is that Silas and Timothy then started working so that he could, be supported while he preached. And he stays there for a year and a half preaching and teaching. We see Paul perhaps fulfilling a Nazarite vow, where he cuts his hair uh, in in this chapter as well. Um lots of stuff, lots of traveling. He goes to Caesarea, he goes to Jerusalem, he goes home to Antioch, and then travels again. So that we see this itinerant preacher Paul going. Mm. Um, all right, Acts chapter 19. Paul goes back to Ephesus. He stays there about two and a half years. There's a lot of miracles of healing and exorcisms that happen here. And as a result, very interesting, the people in Ephesus were afraid. And so they started giving up their spells, their spell books, their incantations, and they actually burned them. So we see they began to believe that God was more powerful than these spirits that they were they they were doing these incantations to and that God was against these spirits and the people didn't want to be against God and so this is what they started doing but all was not well because the silversmiths in Ephesus were beginning to lose money. They were losing business because people weren't buying their their tokens and their idols and things like that. And so this instigated a riot against Paul. And um, we're told that they grabbed Paul's associates, who are named Gaius and Aristar- uh, Aristarchus. Guys, I'm bad at pronouncing these names. I'm sorry. <laughs> and um, they bring them to the famous Ephesus Theater. It's very famous, even today. You can see the the ruins of it. And a city clerk diffuses the situation and the riot ends up being diffused peacefully. Acts chapter 20, again, a ton of travel notes here. Lots of fellow Christian travelers and Christian workers are named. Um, We're told that at the city of Troas, Paul raises uh, a man from the dead. Um, A man, his name is given again, Eutychus, I don't know if that's how you pronounce it properly, but he fell asleep while Paul was teaching in an upper room, and he fell out a window uh, and died. But Paul raises him back to life. Then Paul, uh, he he gets this, uh, he gives a final commission to to leaders in Ephesus because he expects, as he's traveling back to Jerusalem, he expects that he's going to be arrested. He expects he's not going to be coming back. In Acts chapter 21, eventually Paul uh, makes it to Caesarea Maritima and he stays with Philip. Remember Philip? One of the original seven. Um, Philip is now called Philip the Evangelist, which is a very cool title as a Christian. Mm-hmm. It's a sweet title. <laughs> and uh, he, were told about his four daughters who are prophets and they, they prophesy here. Paul then goes on to Jerusalem and we hear the controversy over him. People have been saying that he teaches Jews to forsake the law of Moses. Now, to smooth this over, because that's not really, that's a misrepresentation of what Paul is teaching. So to smooth it over, Paul purifies himself and then goes like ritually, according to the Jewish law, and then he goes to the temple to take a vow. Trying to smooth this all over. Guys, I'm still a Jew. It's fine. But a few days later, a riot does start over him, over this false claim that he brought Gentiles with him into the temple. People are like, yeah, but he went into the temple. He he purified himself. He went into the temple. He took a vow. He did a sacrifice. And they're like, yeah, but he brought a Gentile with him. And everyone's like, ah! Riot, okay? Okay. And interestingly, we see a Roman commander needing to save Paul from this riot by actually arresting Paul. In Acts chapter 22, Paul gets permission to speak to the crowd uh, by speaking Greek to the Roman commander. And then he speaks to the crowd in their language, which would have been Aramaic. Paul gives his personal testimony about how Christ appeared to him. But we get to the part about God sending him to the Gentiles to preach salvation to them, the crowd erupts. They can't handle it. That's enough. Um, And it's only Paul's Roman citizenship that saves him uh, being interrogated and flogged in this instance. So Acts chapter 23, a few more chapters here. The Roman commander then brings Paul before the Sanhedrin. He's trying to figure out what's going on, right? He's like, this is a religious issue. I'll bring it to the religious leaders. We're going to see what happens. But this does not go well. Paul has some words for the high priest. Uh, He seems to sarcastically apologize. Um, like, I, I'm, I'm sorry for speaking to you so rudely. Uh, how could I know you were the high priest? You were being so rude. You were, you were acting so animalistic. So he's he, sarcastic words here. Um, Jesus, we're told, appears to Paul to tell him that he's going to testify in Rome you're going to Rome. You're going to testify. Uh, there's a serious plot to kill Paul. And Paul's nephew comes to tell him Paul's taken to Caesarea Maritima uh, to be placed in the care of Governor Felix. He's imprisoned in Herod's palace where Felix lives. So there's there's all this drama surrounding Paul. People are trying to kill him. Everyone's trying to get him. And, and, the, and the Roman officials are just like, he can't die. He's a Roman citizen. We've got to save him. So there's all this drama in Acts chapter 23. In Acts chapter 24... Paul represents himself before Felix. He doesn't hire a lawyer to represent him. He represents himself uh, before Felix. We're told that the governor Felix knew about the way. He knew about Christianity. Uh, So the the claims of the high priest who was trying to defame Paul, make it sound like way worse than it was, they fell on deaf ears. He knew knew Christians weren't violent zealots against Christians. Rome, essentially. So Felix, we're told, spoke often with Paul, but he did not release Paul. He didn't let him go. Paul was allowed freedom, kind of like a house arrest in Caesarea. Uh, we need to remember here that Paul had friends in Caesarea, right? We're told Philip and his daughters live here, so there's a there's a decent population. Um, and then two years later, Paul's still imprisoned, and a new governor takes charge from Felix. Uh, Portius Festus does. Acts chapter 25, Paul appeals to Caesar, take me to Rome. I've had enough. It's time to go to Rome. So Festus tells King Agrippa about Paul and and uh, King Agrippa wants to hear Paul speak. He's curious. And then in Acts chapter 26, the last chapter we're talking about today, Paul goes before Herod Agrippa. He gives his testimony. And honestly, honestly, this is my favorite testimony. Uh, favorite speech of paul it's really really good you should definitely read it if you if you missed it this week acts chapter 26 there's really interesting interactions between agrippa and paul it's one for the ages and that's it we've done acts chapter 9 through 26 we're so close to the end of acts that was good yeah you you did a good job pacing there i I didn't even want to interrupt because it's like you really (laughs) have flow you actually see that the flow the the structural flow of um of uh acts versus the gospels this is much more historical narrative like to a point yes, it, is. it flows very uh fluidly whereas um the gospels are clearly structured for theological emphasis yes right and so you, re- you really get that here so that's is really why i didn't want to interrupt you because the- you have this whole story that you're building up to you like okay I don't wanna, <laughs> I it's going in. it's going yeah it's right, it's I know. right. It was and it good. really drives home too it, it it's arranged to show uh show how jesus's command and prophecy that they would preach in Jerusalem and then Judea, Samaria, and the rest of the world. That's right. It really was fulfilled here. That's right. By the Christians as they spread out and as the apostles went on their missionary journeys. Oh to have more of it though, eh? Yeah. We're, we just really follow bits of Peter, bits of Paul, bits of Barnabas, but there's so there's so many more oh, I know. that would have that would have happened. Yeah, it's it's really uh fascinating stuff. I know we're not done it yet, but When we are, I guess next week we'll... We're close. We're close. A couple more chapters. Okay. So for next year, I've said this a a couple weeks in a row, but if you have any thoughts or questions or issues that come up for you when you read through the books of Genesis and Exodus and even farther along into the Old Testament please pop them in the comment box below, as well as issues that you had with today's reading. That's fine. But what Matlock and I are trying to do is prepare for next year's recap. We want to take more of your questions and talk uh, more about some of these hot button issues that come up as we're reading through the scriptures. So if you have anything off the top of your head, please pop it down below. Until next time, we'll see you later and happy reading.